0: Welcome to the Life Church, everybody. For those of you that are here, if it's your first time with us, thank you so much. Uh, I'm not going to have you stand up and have everybody look at you at once. I'm Technically an introvert, and so I, I I wouldn't do that to myself either. But uh, but thank you for being here. I know there are several of you I've already met and had the had the blessing. And thank you for just bearing with us today. We have so many even staff that are out uh, this morning's just been crazy. Uh, I know I have big hair. I'm surprised it's not even bigger from just running around from one end of the building and back so many times. And so, but uh, but thank you absolutely for being here. Um, we have been on. Uh, kind of a summer series called "Summer of Refreshing" that we're kind of wrapping up and and uh, working our way through, and and I had something really kind of pressed on my heart, and uh, and I thought I'm gonna. Uh, the word that I'm going to bring for us today, uh, next week, Pastor Walt, our senior pastor, will be back with us next week and really talking about uh, who the Life Church is. So, uh, if you're new here, maybe next week would be an awesome week for you to be here uh, and really hear our senior pastor and his heart, his vision. Um, uh, he's preaching today in San Angelo campus. Um, so don't cheat and go listen to their podcast though during the week. You got to wait till next week. I'm just kidding. So anyway, uh, Summer of Refreshing, uh, kind of these refreshing ideas and concepts. And, and I had this puzzle that I found uh, that we'll, we'll put on screen here. I'm gonna start with this. And uh, I found this article about this puzzle. And it says, um, ready for a quick brain teaser, uh, take a look at the image above. Your task this morning is to make it perfectly symmetrical from left to right and top to bottom. And to do so, you may change the color of any square from blue to white or white to blue. And the goal is to accomplish, accomplish this by using the fewest color changes possible. So we've got this, this square in the corner that's, that's causing this to not be symmetrical. And what I thought was interesting is there was a study done with this, and it said the simplest solution and the correct one, and maybe you saw, maybe you didn't, and it's okay, there's no shame or judgment, But says the correct one is to change the four squares in the upper left quadrant from blue to white. Just four changes from blue to white would then make the entire image symmetrical. And I thought that was interesting. And it says the study found, but when a team of researchers posed this problem to hundreds of volunteers in a controlled experiment, fully uh, more than half of them failed to do so. You see, what they discovered through this and various other puzzles, there was one with Legos I was really tempted to show you because I'm a Lego fan. Um, But the the quote here is, we tend to solve problems by adding things together rather than taking things away, even when doing so goes against our best interest. More people solved this problem not by changing the blue squares, squares to white squares, by emptying the squares of color but by actually increasing and matching the box in the other three corners of the object, which was more work than blue to white. And this was a trend that happened is we tend to make things complicated, or my, my sermon title today is harder than necessary. We tend just naturally in our human behavior, most of us tend to make things harder than necessary. I would go as far to argue that probably all of us do in some way, form, or fashion, that there's something in our lives that we absolutely make harder than necessary. And, and I was thinking about this and wrestling with this, of how we make things harder than necessary. We do it through our understanding, or should I say lack of understanding? Oh, we, we don't process like how I can remove the color um, from this. And the, the Lego one, people would tend to add blocks when. All they had to do was take away a block to make a roof level, and and there was these different things. And I'll share this article later on social media if you're interested through the church's Facebook page. And you can see this thing, but it's through our understanding or lack of understanding or interpreting or misinterpreting, right? We we tend to interpret information through lenses of how we were raised and educated and and understanding the world and different experiences um, and, and, and different things. Uh, my, my son-in-law and daughter just bought their first house uh, this weekend and he's got lots of experience doing some hard work and his dad had a paint sprayer They wait They're not even moved in yet and they were spraying the house whole new color and getting after it and they're all excited I don't think my, my daughter since we moved she's FaceTimed that much. <laughs> it was like constantly over and over my wife's phone was ringing all day long and uh I was look at this paint look at this and ooh, look at this and they ripped up carpet And anyway, but we we have all these experiences and the way we hear things and our selective hearing, parents talking about their kids, you're like, uh-huh, I know how that selective hearing goes. You know, I used to tell my girls, I'm like, you know, it'd be that thing like we'd have like a, a, a mom and dad conversation, husband-wife conversation, and then like later we'd find like one of my daughters would like, like repeat a piece of the, I'd be like, girls, if you're going to eavesdrop, at least eavesdrop the whole conversation, right? Not just a portion of it, get the whole thing right. And, uh, and, and we just have these things. And, and to be honest, I don't know about you, but I often thought about when we make things harder than they need to be, it's usually in this physical sense. It's like repairing this thing, uh, which by the way, like, like, yeah, like, oh, I know the right way because not the mechanic who's trained for this and yet I do and things like that. But but we would make things harder the, than they have to be in this physical way in the way we clean or do things or go places, we make it harder. I feel like Syria is always making it harder than it needs to be. I'm like, why are you taking me that direction? Even in my, my new like, experiences in the Metroplex, I'm like, I still know that that's not the best way. I swear, I promise, Siri, I know, I know better than you. And, uh, but I'm beginning to believe that the process of making things harder is definitely an internal. It's more about our thought process. So let's be real, our actions follow our thoughts. We thought about what we were going to say before we said it, well, maybe, and we thought about what we were going to do before we did it. We had thoughts about these things, and then our actions followed that, right? You with me this morning? And so, so I want to look at this, making it harder than necessary in our thought process, and to do so, I'm actually going to 2 Kings chapter 5. I'm going to be in the New Living Translation, uh, but feel free to look along in your Bible or your version on your phone, whatever that looks like, and we'll have it on the screen. And, uh, but in 2 Kings chapter 5, we find the story of Naaman, and I'm just going to read through this story, and we'll kind of break it down in what I was seeing here. The king of Aram had a great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. As mighty as he was, he had leprosy. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel. Among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of leprosy. So Naaman told the king, What the young girl from Israel had said, go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying as gifts 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, Am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. Hold on, what's happening? This can't be true. There's something actually different that you're trying to accomplish than this letter you're trying to say. The first thought that I had is, I assume more than said. I tend to make things harder than necessary when I assume more than what was actually said. I don't know about you, but I have conversations all the time, and 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 I can I'm on both sides of this 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 issue of there's plenty of times, especially leading teams and things like that, and it's like I asked a question, and then I get all this uh, this other like side story backstory. Like, no, 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 like like I, I'm sorry. Like that was a yes or no like question, right? But yet, then all of a sudden, like someone interprets it that, that that you're trying to get something more, and they've got to become defensive, or maybe you've been in that position. Maybe at work, and it can be very easy in certain situations of life, or maybe your wife. She's like, "Why didn't you take out the trash?" And I, you know, boy. Instead of sorry, honey, like you should do, right, men? Um, just, just, just own it, apologize, move on, make it right. And uh, and like we, we give this big excuse, and we got all our reasoning of why we didn't do the thing that we were supposed to do, and and we assume more. I had so many of these conversations, and I get it, because in this world, like we. In the natural world of what we encounter, like we obviously have these situations. So my, my 20-year-old daughter, she decided to come up and surprise visit us uh, this week. Her husband, my son-in-law it was working out of town, so she drove up from San Angelo, a four-hour drive, and, uh, and came up to visit us before, because she knew as soon as this, uh, signing went down on the house that they were going to be busy. They're going to be painting and flooring and all this kinds of stuff and, uh, to get the house ready before they move in. And they're on this time crunch. So she came up to visit us as a surprise spur of the moment and um, very blessed. Well, my, my wife already had plans at the zoo with my nieces. Sorry, nieces like three of my little nieces. And um, and she was going to the zoo on Wednesday, and now all of a sudden Jocelyn's with us, and and uh, which by the way I used to I'd tell stories about my kids I'd have to pay them, but now that she's an adult and not living with me I don't have to pay her anymore, right? Um I'm just gonna claim that, and uh, but uh, Jocelyn shows up so so like. My wife just tells Jocelyn, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to go to the zoo, and just tells her one niece. <laughs> like She didn't tell her the whole story, right? All of a sudden, Jocelyn shows up at the zoo, and there's all three nieces, little ones. They're a handful. I mean, I'll just say it like that. I love them. They're adorable. They're too cute for their own good, but they're a handful, right? And like, and so all of a sudden, Jocelyn kind of got suckered in, right? We have those encounters in, in so many of our lives and relationships where it's like, yeah, not all the information was given. And so we tend to operate in that assumption. The world, through our relationships, has formed this, this pattern of thought and understanding and interpreting of information. And the thing is, though, we then end up in the church. And we end up in God's house. And we tend to op- operate and function in some of these same interpretations. It's like, oh, man, the, the, the pastor... He said, I just had this gifting. He probably just wants me to serve in (laughs) kids. Like, there's something more that he's trying to get out of me, right? Like, we tend to bring it, and then even beyond the church, we tend to bring it into our relationship. Oh, yeah. The word of God says this, but, but what's God really trying to say? What, what's really trying to happen here? Oh, I know the, the Bible has laid out how easy salvation is through Jesus Christ, but there's still got to be something more. Religion will teach us that there's got to be something more, that there's like this continued hang-up. There's not all the information is being provided. Like, you're just trying to, you're just trying to get me in the door, and then once I get saved, then there's the next step, and the next step, and the next step. And don't get me wrong. I'm absolutely not here to put down other steps in the process. Prayer, fasting, giving, serving. There's so many ways of other steps that help us in our walk and our salvation. But then we'll tend to add to it and make it something different than it was meant to be. We'll make it harder than is necessary in this relationship with our Heavenly Father and what this looks like. And get back to my notes. In the world, there may be some legitimacy to this idea, but this concept formed by the world, we then carry into these other aspects of our lives. And the problem is recognizing that we have so much, so many tendencies formed by the world and not by God. And are these human tendencies, and we bring them into these other relationships. We need to be aware of those because we can find refreshing when we can find freedom from those old habits and those old ways of thinking. And so often we think if God is asking something of you or from you, it's not for you to lose something, but for him to reveal something that you actually have. I believe if God is calling you to something, it's not because he's leaving out information. He's not calling you to to feed the homeless or or serve the community at the food bank so that he has a trick up his sleeve, so that there's something else that he can get you trapped into. And I think what we even see here with the king is the king has forgotten that he has one of the greatest prophets of all time living in his kingdom. He has shown up to the king, and the king is like, how am I supposed to heal you? "Um, King, don't you know who lives in your kingdom? In your backyard, you have Elisha. He's not here asking you specifically, but you're the man of authority that has this power and this ability. And he's asking of you. And so many times we think that there's a a trap in there, but God's not trying to take something from you. I think most of the time when God's trying to take something from our hands or asking something of our hands, it's because he wants to put something greater in our hands. And so many times he's trying to reveal something in us. And I tell you, one of the greatest lessons I ever had in my own walk of Christianity was when I was a youth pastor. Youth, I was a youth pastor at the Life Church for many, many years, and I was even thinking about that with my kids' joke. And I was like, you know, that's kind of a, you know, just being silly about kids' ministry and, and, and serving in and, and that way. But, man, like, and I, I feel like when I started serving youth uh, in youth ministry, I didn't know anything. I didn't know diddly squat. I kind of only halfway grew up in the church. No, I wouldn't even call it halfway. I, like... 12% grew up in the church, and like, all of a sudden, next thing I know, I'm in youth ministry. I'm scared of my mind. I don't know anything. What if the kid asked me a question? I don't know what I'm going to do. Can I tell you some of the greatest growth I ever had, though, was just serving with kids, which, let's be real, kids will humble you, so you're going to learn a lot. <laughs> so that's just the way things work. And like, but, but I didn't know anything, but yet I found myself in this position of growing. My quote is, when we have more confidence in who we are, We desire less to defend who we are not. The king just didn't have the confidence in who he was, what he had, the possession, the the, the blessings that God had placed in his kingdom. And therefore he became defensive in his position. And how often that we become concerned with what what we think they meant to say, that we become defensive in trying to justify it. When we have more confidence in who we are, we desire less to defend who we are not. Back to our text. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's Uh, house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus and Abana and Farper better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? And so Naaman, he turned away and went in rage. One of the other ways that we make things harder than necessary is we insist it being my way or no way. Naaman, I could only imagine his frustration and struggle. He had traveled for for days and who knows how long to get to Elisha. He had spent time in the king's courts, probably waiting on this word that Elisha had received this word and then responded. And there's this all this time that's passing. Naaman building expectation of how this is going to look, how dramatic, I mean, come on. He's a warrior of warriors, he's leading armies, and he's a victor. He has won, And we saw in the very first few verses, that he, I can only imagine the parades that Naaman would have walked through as the victor of war and battle. Scars and and filth and, and being dirty, but yet everybody is worshiping and praising and celebrating Name and surely name, and I'm going to show up, and this is going to be this dramatic uh, uh, example of God and, and being healed. I've got all these ideas of what it should be like. It's my way or no way. Wait a second, you want me to wash in your river? My rivers are better than your river. My way or no way. This is how we so often make things harder than necessary as we come across these situations. You know, we do this in life. I I do it with Siri all the time. I I if I don't say it to the mechanic, I might think it, (laughs) right? We have all these things and it's like, where we interact and we're like, "But, but shouldn't you do it this? Or shouldn't it be like this? Or shouldn't I just do this? Why do I have to do so much paperwork? As my daughter is signing paper after paper after paper, no, I will not eat lead paint. <laughs> like, like, oh my goodness! If you if you get there and you're buying your first house, yes, there there was a there was a one of the many pieces of paper that had to be signed. Um, Don't eat the paint; it might have lead in it if it's older than blah blah blah. And and there's all these crazy things that we experience and encounter. We're like, this is absurd. I must know the right way and the better way. And sometimes in life. We might, but I believe often, if not always with God, we do not. And we tend to take again this way formed by the world, and we step into God's kingdom, God's space, uh, whatever that looks like, and, and God's giving direction. God's asking you to do something whether it's to serve or to give or to to, to go and pray for that stranger at the store who you don't know. Whatever it is, God's asking you to do something and you're like, I'm not gonna do it that way because this way would be better. I remember when I was a youth pastor and I remember we got back from camp and our our teenagers were fired up and all of a sudden two of the girls, they were at Walmart and they're like, they called my wife and and they're like, there's this lady and, and, and we feel like God's telling us to go and pray for her. And they wanted my wife to run up there to Walmart and, 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 and join with them. And my wife's like, no, you got this. Like, 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 no, 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 no. You got this. You just got done at camp. You had this experience. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You got the power. You got the ability. Just go and pray. Just, God, just step into it. But I don't know about you, but too many times in my life I've been like, uh, no, Not yet. It's my way I, I'm not there yet God it's still my way instead of your way what is that what has that way been for you in your life maybe it's just working with other people and there's different situations that we're trying to walk into this and yet we're still saying no 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 my way it, it's a very easy trap to get into and, and so I feel for naaman I empathize with his struggle, with his challenge that he's facing in this situation. But to show up and to feel like something is meaningless, but the way of pride is hard. Naaman wrestling with this. We we know this is hard. And we see this in our own interactions, in our own relationships, and even our relationship with God. Many of us come to Christianity with these practices of the world these different ways of making it harder than necessary that we then come into church and we still make it harder than necessary. We come into religion. We come into spirituality. We come into relationship with our Heavenly Father, and we still tend to make it harder than necessary. Maybe this looks a little different for you. We all have our different ways of doing things because we're all created in such unique ways and forms and fashions. And, and it seems easier to just stay with my way because it's more natural to do it differently than the way that I've been formed throughout my lifetime. That's, that should be the actual harder way, right? Like, it's just going to be easier to stay with my way and harder to do it in a way that to, to learn something new and to learn a new way and form. I, I just, It's tough. Back in 2 Kings chapter 5, and now verse 13, in the story of Naaman, if you don't know it, we'll finish it. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? If the prophet had told you to jump through this many hoops and and do this and do that, and, and Simon says, jump on one foot, holding your ear, kind of patting on your head, rubbing your belly at the same time kind of situation, wouldn't you have strived if it had been difficult? That's my interpretation, by the way. So you should certainly obey him when he says simply go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child. And he was healed. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him and Naaman said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel." So please accept a gift from your servants. Naaman, thank goodness that he had people in his life willing to challenge him to speak differently than what he had decided, differently than what he had known. People were willing to speak and continue to carry truth in his life to say, whoa, 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 but the prophet, the man of God said this. Should not we try this? And Naaman, thankfully, having these people, the little girl and his servants in his life, people speaking into his life, challenging him to do what actually seems to be harder because really is easier. Because his way was making it harder and God's way was making it easier. For we walk by faith and not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, because our sight, what we perceive or what we think or even our opinions, is really our, our sight is made up of these, it's this multifaceted aspect of our lives. It's not just this one thing of what I physically see, because it's not just what I see, it's how I interpret what I see, how I think about what I see, how I imagine what I see. And so our sight is formed by these different aspects of our lives and our formation can often get in the way of faith, the faith, the, the trust in God and what he says and what he asks us to do. We've got to walk by faith and not by sight. And as I, as I close here this morning, in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift of God. Naaman in this situation was making things harder than they had to be. The king in this situation was making things harder than they had to be. Elisha's servant was making things harder, as you can read the rest of the story on your own later was making things harder than necessary. And what I'm here to point out today is these different ways of making things harder than necessary, is let's not make things harder than necessary in our walk with Jesus Christ. The free gift of God through Christ Jesus, not through our efforts. Not through our striving, not through our acts of sacrifice, not that, the, that there's uh, bad aspects in these things, like I mentioned earlier, through prayer, through serving, through giving, through praying, through fasting, that there's such good steps in our life. But adding steps to the journey is not getting us any closer to God in the sense of receiving His free gift. We're just increasing the distance. When we ourselves say, but I need this step. I got to do this thing. I got to get this thing right before I come to Jesus. And what we see is, no, 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 no. It's not your way. It's his way. It's not getting things right before you can go to God. It's God has already made things right. Just receive the gifts. Just step into it. I love what Judas Smith is talking about, and I'll read the quote: "Is Jesus plus nothing is the answer to humanity?" And I believe that we're going to move in that direction. That there's all these other steps that we have placed between us and God. And I'm here to tell us and remind us, and myself even, that the price has been paid through Christ Jesus. It's not about my efforts to get there and close the gap and get it closer and and get the boat close enough to the dock to make the jump. It's God has already made this way. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity says, but the really tough work, the really tough work, the bit we could not have done ourselves has been done for us. The hard part has already been done for us. He says, we have not got to try to climb up into spiritual life by our own efforts. It has already come down into the human race. God has already paid the price and closed the gap and done what was necessary. The same God who created you and named you and planned you and purposed you is the same God who paid the price for you. It's not of your own efforts and your own your own payments, and I was reminded of the theologian Karl Barth, uh, had uh, who has written so many works, and 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 he and he had this. He was teaching. He'd written, written over six million words in all of his theological books, and all of his studies and and training and education. And he had a class ask him this. If you could summarize everything you have written about theology into one sentence, what would it be? One of the greatest theologians we would ever hear. What one sentence? I feel like this is a a name in moments. What would this sentence be? I can imagine all the students are, they're on the edge of their seat, they're, they're leaning forward, this great, intelligent man, theologian, whose spirituality is great beyond mine, right? And to be asked, what is this one sentence that this great theologian would bring? And his response was this, I remember in my youth, my mother singing me a song. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. And how often in our sin, our disappointments, our failures, our hang ups, our misdeeds, the things that we did that we should not have done, and the things we didn't do that we should have done? Do we tend to make it harder than necessary? And we say, God, what can I do to make this right? How do I get back to you, God? I miss those moments when I knew you were walking with me. And I wanna experience you again. I wanna know that you're there again. God, what do I have to do? What do I have to give up? What do I have to sacrifice? How much do I have to give? God, what do I have to do? And to feel like our God would simply say, open your hands. The extent of your efforts is to receive, is to accept. Say yes to Him. He's got a path for you, He's got a plan for you, He's got salvation for you. His love, His mercy, His goodness, His peace, whatever your situation is. Maybe you're believing for a healing. There may be good things to do that are just healthy for us, to make changes in our life, to break addictions, to get free from things. And sometimes we need to make changes in our life, but they're not payments. They're not payments to God to get us more of him because he's already paid the price. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your goodness, your gift. We thank you for healing people like Naaman, who would even be considered outside of chosen blessed people, but yet, but yet this warrior from outside of Israel would come in and you would even choose to heal him, to bless him, to forgive him. Even Naaman, he says, I'm gonna have to go back to my hometown, and there's some things that I'm a part of that I don't, I can't break free of those things. I don't know how to, and yet you would even have Elisha bless him, even in his going. Say so you're forgiven. You're good, Father. We thank you for examples and stories like Naaman, and to know if you can love someone like him, you can love someone like me. That your price and your sacrifice was not just for the chosen few, is for the whole world. For Jesus loves me. This I know. Can we just say that. Just say Jesus loves me this I know. Jesus loves me. This I know. I'm going to lead you in a prayer real quick. If you've never given your life to Jesus, this is a prayer for you. If you just want to to, to give your life back to Jesus you've, you've been holding it into your own hands of, of selfishness and control or whatever those situations are and you're trying to do it on your own your own strength making it harder than necessary or, or maybe you're in need of a healing, a miracle in your life uh, a restored or healed relationship or your body or maybe a loved one or parents we just, this is just a prayer for all of us to lead into and to say And so if you'll just repeat after me and just say dear God Thank you for Jesus Christ, your free gift for my life. I am sorry, God, for making it harder than necessary. Help me to see your way, the better way than my way. I give my life to you, my thoughts to you, everything to you. Show me your path and your goodness in my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Give God a good amen. Let's stand this morning. We're gonna sing this one last song. This is a time for us to just press in a little bit more during this final song to hear God, to see his face, to know his goodness and experience his love in our life. And then I'll dismiss us after the song.